Slayer Podcast, everybody. This is episode 68, and uh, much like last week, I am joined by uh, a special guest who was here last week. Um, she was so great, I decided to have her back on for the next episode. <laughs> Joining us once again is Miley Reyna. Hello, thank you for having me back. Of course, of course. Um, people loved the last episode. I, I'm really glad um, some of the reactions that we, I've gotten with that. And uh, um glad people enjoy seeing uh, differing opinions and people being civil with each other. So um, yeah, thank you for that. Um, great conversation. And um, the reason why you're here is because um, like we hinted at the last episode, uh, Miley has seen has seen Scream Scream Six. I can't say my M's today. Miley has seen Scream Six. I have not, and I'm still debating whether I'm going to. But Miley is going to give her uh, spoiler filled reaction to uh, the big things that happen in this this uh, sixth installment in the franchise, and I'm going to react to it in um, with uh, joy or with complete and utter dream for <laughs> the direction of the franchise. I don't even really know. I know I, we, we texted each other after you saw the movie. So I don't really know your full thoughts going into the film. Right. Like if you, uh, I know you said you, you generally liked it, but you were still sitting with it. So I don't even know if you've changed your mind. If you think it's the best one or it's the worst one. Like I, yeah. I don't know. So it's very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you want to just get into it then or Well let's let's do our current events and then we will okay. we'll do uh we'll do scream. Okay. So I don't want to get too excited. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is exciting stuff. So we have a couple of things we want to get to before we get to that. So um uh, we have two trailers that came out um since we last talked. One looks incredible, one eh, and then we have a uh, story that is um a little a little sad. But um, at the same time, exciting uh, for those of you who are fans of Quentin Tarantino. So uh, first and foremost, let's get into the good trailer. Start us off on a good note. So the final trailer for the Super Mario Bros. movie has been released. And, you know, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of when um, studios release a third trailer for uh, a film. I usually like do a teaser do an official trailer and do a final trailer. And um, I guess technically they've done that. They've done a teaser. They did a trailer. Then they did a, this is like the second trailer. So I guess that works out. Um, and not that I wasn't excited already for this movie because I am a huge Mario fan, but this, this trailer like blew my excitement through the roof. Um, I don't know. I I take it you got to see the trailer too. What what did you think? And what what's your what's your what are your thoughts going into this movie? Um and general anticipation. Yeah. Well, I've I didn't really grow up like playing any of the games. Um and so I was just at first thinking like, okay, this is just going to be another animated movie capitalizing off of like popular IP. Um but then even just seeing like the teaser trailer, I was like, this feels kind of cinematic. This is interesting. Okay. Um and then this latest trailer, um, it looks really fun. I feel like they they really utilize a lot of the expanded worlds that like the games are known for. And 
mm-hmm. it it looks like an adventure and um you know kind of your I don't want to say like your standard family movie premise but I think if you're going to be adapting Super Mario which is you know this this fun video game that you're known for you you want some of that excitement and that action you know so it looks like it has a lot of that in there mm-hmm. yeah and the characters seem really fun um i'm i'm typically not like a fan of um this new trend of i guess it's not super new but this trend of hiring a-listers to do voice acting and they're just kind of playing themselves like i would love to yeah. bring back the yeah. art of actual voice acting but I feel like the actors, from mm-hmm. what we've seen in these trailers, they're doing a really good job, and you can tell they're having a lot of fun with it. And so that just makes me feel excited because mm-hmm. the people involved seem like they're having a good time. And I think if you know that if you know that actors are having right. a good time, that often translates to within their performance. So yeah, oh yeah, I'm feeling a lot. I'm feeling a lot more <sighs> excited than I initially thought I was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'd go so far as to say Mario, like the Super Mario Bros, um, is probably my favorite video game. And I know that sounds pretty like, oh, you're a traditionalist or whatever. Of course you'd say that. But it, I mean, it's true. Like, I, I remember getting one of those really old Nintendo 64s from my dad growing up. And he had a, only a, a couple of games, but one of them was the original Mario Bros. And we we love that game as siblings um we got the when they came out with the new super mario bros on the wii we got that um i think even more than that like my favorite game in the mario universe is mario kart um specifically mario kart wii like i play that all the time with my sister and uh my sister's in law i think that's the way you say it right sister's in law um it's like it's a way that uh, like when i first um met my wife's family that was one of the one of the things that like immediately allowed us to bond was that initial experience p- playing Mario Kart with my siblings and then Aww. that translating over to my relationship with my my um my in-laws um so i have i have a lot of love for Mario Kart and a lot of fond memories playing that game with them um so it's fun it's not not only is it fun to know that they're going to they're doing Mario Kart in the movie, but they're doing so many like fun little references to the game and like almost, almost every aspect of all the games that have come out in the 30, 40 years Mario has been around. Um, it's not even just limited to the original game. Um, it's, it's also fun to see. Yeah. Like you said, these A-listers who are doing their, their best to, pay respects to the like you know everyone obviously wasn't very uh weren't very confident in chris pratt's ability to be mario and even i i love chris pratt chris pratt's one of my favorite actors i, I love the guy but even i was a little skeptical like really yeah chris pratt? <laughs> yeah <laughs> and 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 hearing and hearing him in in the voice like now i like okay my ears are kind of attuned to it he's doing like like the little mannerisms he's doing all of mario's catchphrases and stuff and he's doing it very faithfully and he's not just playing chris pratt he's doing like try to italian brooklyn style chris pratt accent um but all the i mean like 
uh, I, I did a trailer reaction with with Gabe Moore, and we both were pretty wowed by like mm-hmm. Jack Black. Like he does not sound like Jack Black. I mean, sometimes you can kind of pick up like, oh, that's a little Jack Black bleeding into the voiceover. But for the most part, he's doing like a voice. He's not doing Jack Black as Bowser, which I I, I yeah. really appreciate. Um, I could just gush <laughs> about this thing. I mean, last week I talked about like, you know, my my agenda as far as movies and film go films go is to you know, no matter what, entertain. That's mm-hmm. the only agenda that I care about. And this feels, this is right in line with that. Not only are they, you know, cashing in on the nostalgia of the Mario games, but um, they are, they have, they, they're, they're making it feel like an epic must-see event film, which you don't see in a lot of animated movies. A lot of animated films will just go for the kids because they're an easy audience. Mm-hmm. But this looks like a full-blown four-quadrant can't-miss events event movie yeah no i agree and i think it's it's sad when we don't get the best quality for like family entertainment because again yeah like you said it is seen as Mm -hmm. kind of an easy way to make money because it's like oh if it's a kids movie you autom that's automatically double ticket sales at least because someone has to be taking the kid to go see it Mm -hmm. and so unfortunately we see sometimes that there's not enough effort put into that so this this gives me hope though it looks it looks really good i'm pretty excited for it and i didn't think i would be that's cool yeah and and so you have kids that not only want to see this movie you also have parents i I guess that includes me now since i'm gonna you know my baby's coming you know in a couple months um um, you have parents (laughs) who want to see this because like everybody Everybody can can get something out of Mario, whether you're a fan of Mario Kart, whether you're a fan of the original game or the new games, or or you're a fan of the the obscure TV show that came out in the '90s or the '80s. You know, there's there's something for everybody in this this franchise that has kind of stood the test of time. And also, I think it's 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 I, I'm excited because. I'm sure you've heard of the original Mario Bros. movie from back in the day, the, yeah. the live action 19. <laughs> yeah. I think it was from 1993. Um, didn't get the yes. best reception. Was not a faithful adaptation. Um, and I think that the that is what kept us from getting another Mario movie in any any uh, variation, animated or live action, for years. And it wasn't until um, Illumination sought out the rights for Mario that the creators were like, all right, fine, but we are in charge. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not the biggest fan of Illumination. I think their movies are generally like popcorn fluff with the exception mm-hmm. of some of the, those early Despicable Me films. Like I think the first and second movies are pretty above average animated films, but like the Minion stuff, the Pet stuff and the, and you know, Sing, all those movies I, I think are just fine, but they're not, you know, again, popcorn fluff. Whereas this feels right. like okay, it's 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 illumination, which in a way their animation style I think lends to something like this. But it's 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 a Nintendo who I think it probably was their intent to make this not just an, a, a typical animated movie, but a must see event because again, Mario doesn't just adhere to or do, doesn't just um, 
appeal to children. It appeals to adults who have a long history with playing the games um, and all sorts of, you know, culture that uh, Mario has, the Mario franchise has um, ingrained itself in. So, right. yeah, I, I could gush about this. I, I haven't <laughs> even seen it. I don't even know if it's going to be good, but I am just so excited. Yeah, I hope it's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, we have to turn our attention to a trailer that um, doesn't look very good, in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, during the the Academy Awards, the second trailer for, or was this the second trailer, or the third trailer, or one a trailer? It, I think it might be the third. I'm not sure. I think they did like a sneak peek during uh, yeah. football or something or not mm -hmm. football, but it came out on TV. So maybe it was the golden globes. I don't remember a, a new trailer for, for, for the little mermaid, the live action mm -hmm. Disney little mermaid, which has been um, rife with controversy ever since they announced that um, a black girl was going to play Ariel, which <laughs> we literally just talked about this in the last episode. So I yeah, guess we're going to continue this, this dialogue. <laughs> Um, but I, I've been thinking a lot of, let's, let, I guess we'll just get right into it, but I, I have been thinking a lot about what you said about, um, allowing an actor of a different ethnicity to redefine or, uh, capture the essence of a role. Um, and I, I, I agree with that. I think that's, that there has been, um, obvious examples of that in the past, um, the only one I could think of, or even it wasn't even me. You pointed it out last time. It was like uh, Commissioner Gordon from the Batman being played by uh, Jeffrey Wright. Um, all due respect to the actress, I don't think this is it. I, I nothing against her. I just don't think she's got. I, I just I don't see Ariel. It just doesn't feel like Ariel. Um, it just does not look like the right fit. And with the culture and, and the um, di the out outward dialogue of, about this movie, just the way it, that Disney is operating, it just – it's unfortunate because she is – it's not her fault. The, the, I don't remember the actress's name. It's like – I keep wanting to say Halle Berry, but it's like – yeah, it's Halle Bailey. Halle Bailey. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Blame, it's very similar. <laughs> right. Right. I don't blame her. I don't think it's just her fault. She seems like a good actress. She seems like a, a great singer. Um, mm -hmm. But I just don't see. I don't see Ariel in in, in this character. Um, in, in this rendition of of the Little Mermaid, mm -hmm. um, and that's just one one of the many problems I have with this movie. Yeah, I kind of, oh, I was kind of talking to you about this, but I sort of avoided, like, I didn't rush to go see the trailer because I, I see so much of it on the internet that I'm, I kind of don't Social feel media. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't feel like it need to. But then the other day, um, literally yesterday, I was like, you know, I should probably just see what this is about. Because everyone, again, has been complaining about, like, the color grading, or I want this to be more vibrant, and Disney movies are so, like, washed out in terms of their coloring now, um, and so I was just curious in that front of, like, okay, how does this actually look, and the latest mm -hmm. trailer, the way it starts, I, with, like, Prince Eric and his ship, and, like, basically everything above, like, on land, essentially, 
Um, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this looks kind of cool. This looks pretty epic. You know, you got the storm and the, the ship and everything. And then as soon as we get underwater, I'm just like, oh, this. And I think what really did it for me, too, was King Triton just looks awful. Just his, just the combination of, like, the CG high and his just whole look. I'm not talking about Javier Bardem as, like, the actor, but just his look design in the movie was just bad. And then, too, I think we got those little sneak peeks of Ursula, and it made me realize that, like, The Little Mermaid is such a great example of things you can achieve um, with animation in terms of over-the-top designs or the colors or just talking animals. They can have character and personality. And then if you try to translate that to live action, I don't think it... It just looks kind of goofy. And it, and I wish if they were going to do an adaptation, mm-hmm. I wish they would have leaned into that more and maybe given Ursula, for example... Um, a different design that felt a little more realistic if they're doing live action, you know, what would a, what would a Mm -hmm. sea witch look like? What would the sea creature who's out of the sun and just kind of away from everyone, like what would, what would that look like? You know? Um, And so those were kind of just my reactions that I don't think that this can keeping the character designs I don't think it translates well. Um, and and again, I'm mainly mm. looking at Ursula and how the over-the-top makeup and hair kind of doesn't make sense when you think about it if you're in the ocean. <laughs> and then I just didn't like King Triton's design. Um, I was and, very thrown off by his his breastplate. I was like, yeah, bro. Yeah, why, why do you need a shirt? You're a you're a mermaid. <laughs> Yeah, it it was just, and he's supposed to be intimidating, and and I just saw that, and I just went, ooh, I, I don't have a good feeling about this. And Javier Bardem, I think, is a great pick for that role. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I, I agree with you. I just don't. I think I think he could be intimidating. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. The look is just not intimidating. Right. Yes, that that is the perfect way to put it. Because he obviously has proven himself as an mm-hmm. actor to be intimidating, but yeah, yeah. it's. It's, it just doesn't look very promising, and I kind of wish that, again, if you're going to do an adaptation, obviously don't change it completely because people love the source material, but you need a reason for it to exist. I know that was a huge complaint with mm-hmm. the Lion King live action. It was... This is shot for shot. Also, they're not emoting. Literally, why does this exist? And I think part of yeah part of um my opinions about casting people who maybe don't look like the original source material is that idea of okay, if you're gonna make an adaptation, you're gonna put like a twist on it. Let's see this interpretation. Let's see this artistic interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of falls under that umbrella of thought. And so I wish that this looked promising in terms of, oh, this is offering us something different or interesting. But instead, it Mm -hmm. looks like it's trying Mm -hmm. too hard to replicate the look in ways that it doesn't work. I don't know if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, it absolutely does. Um, the best example, I've always said this, the best example of a great live action translation um, from a Disney movie, animated Disney movie is Cinderella. Absolutely. They, they I think I said this last time. They, <laughs> they, they, they found a way to tell the story, but adding a little more of a different take mm -hmm. that was very much in line with the original film, but um, just adding a bit more of it, adding a different take and then also adding context where there was none. And I think yes. it was a masterful job of, of really adhering to the original in a, in a way that felt that also gave it new life and new, new meaning. Now Absolutely. I completely agree with you on the Lion King. I was one of the few people that vocally was just like, I hate this. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's soulless. It's weird to watch these yeah. lifeless animals and not emote. <laughs> um, and it, it, it could have been fine. I mean, like it, it, you're Disney, right. I, I, like, you know, uh, dig into the, the, the fact that you're an animated film and this is an animated adaptation of an animated movie and just, you know, allow yourself to be mm -hmm. goofy. Nothing has to be like hyper realistic. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't buy, you know, flounder being just a, a, a normal looking yeah. fish and then, and then, uh, uh, Sebastian, she got legs, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad, yeah. Oh, my Lanta. Like, why? Yeah. This, I I don't understand it. Like, be creative. Do a different take. Don't just, uh, exactly. this this feels like the little, the little, this feels like Beauty and the Beast 2.0. Mm. Yeah, I I feel like the fun of, the source material is that you can do a lot with animation in terms of these characters mm -hmm. or these animals talk and they have personality traits in their design that are exaggerated from like real life animal designs. Like that's yeah. the point. So it's just, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not super hopeful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only thing I will say this, I am curious though, um, because I did notice seeing Halle Bailey in the role, in, well, obviously within the trailers, um, obviously she doesn't look like a teenager, and so I'm hoping they're not trying, they're, like, aging the character up, and I'm hoping in that way, Ariel will be maybe a little less bratty, because I feel like she kind of had moments in the, the movie that as you get older, you kind of rewatch, and you're like, mm. she's yeah, a little... Like whiny <laughs> yeah like this is all your fault yeah yeah like, pretty much like the, the idea that like yeah like everything happens because she wanted to go on land and then that causes all this chaos to happen and then king triton's just like oh i'm going to miss her here you go ariel have your legs live yes. your life you were right yeah exactly <laughs> i almost died but who cares you fixed everything yeah. I really was Eric who saved the day, but yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering if they're gonna keep. How Never send of, like, a mermaid to do a man's job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. I'm just. I'm wondering if they're gonna keep like how much of her characterization they're gonna keep, or if it's gonna be kind of like with Cinderella, where you can kind of expand and maybe give a little more humanity and like it's it's easier mm -hmm. for us to relate to her i guess is what i'm saying and just right. not 
roll our eyes at her. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I guess I, we'll see. I, I mean, we'll I won't. See. I'm not going to see it, but like, yeah. I don't even know if I'm going to see, see it, to be honest. I'm just, My wife is already like, uh, nah. Yeah. And it's like it's like Disney between Disney and Marvel, it's like they pump out so much content that if you if mm-hmm. you don't want to see something, it's so easy to be like, I don't like I'm not gonna carve time out of my week to go see it. Yeah. So there's only one big May film that I want to see, in and that's Guardians of the Galaxy mm. Volume Three. Oh, I can't believe that's already coming out in May. AKA the last great Marvel movie. Yeah. I know. I know. It's weird. I, I I remember taking a girl on a date to see the first Guardians movie, and now I'm, I'm going to take my <laughs> wife to see Guardians. That's poetic. It all comes full circle. I like that. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was right before college, too. So Yeah. That... Wow. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Mm, too bad we can't talk about Guardians for an hour. <laughs> yeah. It'll be um, a later episode. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, we don't. I for, totally forgot they announced this this week, but we don't have to get too much into it. What are your That's thoughts okay. on uh, James Gunn officially announcing he's directing uh, Super the Superman reboot? Um. So I'm I'm not super like invested in DC and a lot of DC heroes. Like, there's a couple movies I've seen and heroes I've mm-hmm. I am more of like into the Marvel superheroes. So, but the right. whole. The whole thing with James Gunn in general, um, I've been really impressed with his the way he tackles movies and su- the superhero genre. Um, I was a big fan of his Suicide Squad movie. Um, oh yeah, and I think it was fun to watch him kind of like <clears throat> you could tell that with Marvel he had to be he had to keep to that family friendly type, and with Suicide Squad he completely just did. He had so much fun, and you could see it again. Like he I said unhinged. earlier, yeah. Like I said earlier, it, when you see filmmakers and actors having fun, it translates, and it's a good time. Um, and I know that there's been a lot of criticism about how Superman has been depicted. And again, I don't have like a, I don't have a. You don't have a horse in, in the race, fight, but yeah, I don't have a horse in the race. But just kind of hearing the consensus, I feel like I. I feel like anyone should give him a shot to see his interpretation because he, his stuff has a lot of heart in it. Like not only is it fun and entertaining and funny, but it's also, Mm -hmm. I feel like has heart. So I don't see why not like giving him a chance. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like you would have more of like an opinion or any, I guess, do you, do you have an idea of maybe what he'll do or what he'll stay away from Mm -hmm. or what direction he'll go in? Yeah, for the sake of time, I, I won't go too too much into it. But I, I did see him tweet out that he was watching the original Richard Donner cut of Superman and Superman Two, which makes mm. me think he's he's trying to really adhere to the the traditional roots of who Superman is and what he means to people. Yeah. I love Chris. I love Henry Cavill as as Superman. I think he was great. I think I would have watched ten more movies with him if we had given been given the chance. And I'm a little bitter about the way things went down but at this point it's like you know what we have a great Zack Snyder-esque trilogy with him those uh, Batman v Superman Man of Steel and Justice League it's a great little uh relic of of history now and let's just move on let's just get a great Superman off the ground some someone that embodies everything we all love about Superman and let's go I, I think also his 
his um, emotional hook and with this being inspired by his relationship with his dad mm-hmm. um, and the fact that he's writing it too. Uh, I, I, I think he's going to do a good job. If you would have asked me, you know, 2014 walking into Guardians of the Galaxy with my girlfriend at the time, I'd say, hell no, no, <laughs> James Gunn can't direct Superman. No way. That, that's, that, that'd be horrible. But seeing how much he loves comic book movies, how much he loves these characters, how much emotion he's put into the Guardians movies, despite how zany and wild those are, and even even something like The Suicide Squad, which was kind of just a straight-laced, Dirty Dozen-style yeah. um, war mm-hmm. movie, which I loved A Dirty Dozen. Uh, was the, that was, to me, that was the appeal of walking into that film. It was like, all right, cool. Like Dirty Dozen with superheroes or supervillains. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I think I think in subtle ways he's proven that he can be very versatile and he can do heartfelt emotional stories with crazy zany characters. So I, I would love I actually am very very optimistic about his take on Superman and I think um, yeah there are plenty of directors I'd rather see do it but at this point if he's going to be the leader of this new DC universe let's go. So- Someone's got to clean up that mess. Like, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And, and I think they, it's good to have someone who has a vision and you can see their thumbprint on something as opposed to, mm-hmm. Oh, Marvel's our biggest competitor. So we have to do something different. Yeah. I feel like everything they've done is like to, to compete with Marvel. They've not done something for the sake of a visionary direction. Right. If that makes exactly. sense. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think James Gunn knows that. I think he's going to go into this and want to do something completely different and not copy paste Marvel Studios in that way. So um, I'm very optimistic. Um, So let's get into this. Let's really quick. Let's get into this little bit of news about a possible rumor. This isn't really confirmed, but like a possible rumor that Quentin Tarantino has decided what his last film is going to be. And it's going to be a movie called – actually, I had to pull up the article. But it's a movie uh, script titled The F- the Movie Critic. And it could be uh, – it could again, it could be his 10th and final film. And um, let's see. Uh, this is an, an article from Collider. To no one's surprise, details of the film are being kept under lock and key. But it's said to have a female lead and will be set in the 1970 in 1970s Los Angeles. Mm. With the time frame, there's some speculation it could be a Pauline Kael film, uh, who was a highly influential firebrand critic known for clashing with editors and filmmakers alike. Um, she was a former Paramount consultant who worked closely with Warren Beatty, uh, a trailblazing critic for New York New Hollywood movement, and notably played a crucial role in inspiring notable filmmakers, including Wes Anderson and, of course, Quentin Tarantino. Um, the director even published, uh, a book called Cinema Speculation in 2022, which is a collection of essays inspired by the work of, uh, Kale. So you and I are both obviously big fans of Tarantino. I'd say he's in, he's in my Mount Rushmore of, of film directors. Um, I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, I, I've loved almost every movie he's made, and um, I don't necessarily believe he's going to retire at 10, but um, maybe he's trying to preserve his legacy, so 
Yeah, but I don't know. What do you what do you what do you think of of the subject uh, matter for this potential subject matter? We don't know <laughs> if this is for sure going to be his tenth and final movie. Right. Well, honestly, I I I don't know if I would call myself a fan. That was my that was more my roommate in college. She was like a huge fan. Oh, uh, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> I apologize. That's okay. No, that's okay. Um, but I have heard that whole thing of him saying, oh, well, "I'm going to do ten films and then I'm done," which I don't know if I buy because I. I forget if he has a reason, but it feels very much like, oh, I just want to have a, a thing that makes me different. I don't know. I don't know. But um, he's still, like, he's he's still, I don't feel like close to that age where I'd be like, yeah, he probably just wants to kick back and, you know, it's like he, he has a lot of life left in him. He could still make movies. And I feel like his passion mm-hmm. for creating things and, um, he still very much has an audience that would go see the stuff that he makes. So I don't, I don't know how realistic it is if this is this would be like his last one. Um, I'm a little like, mm-hmm. why? I I feel like you would be happier if you made as many as you possibly could in this life that you have. So, um, mm-hmm. but that, I think it definitely, if that is what he's going with, I think it'll definitely be. Um, a draw for people and that'll be the hype around it I feel like more than maybe the movie itself it's kind of like how The Hateful Eight it was it was actually shot on film that was I feel like that um, mm-hmm. the marketing for that was exactly was like the novelty um, of the movie and so I feel like if he is sticking with the final movie then that will be this novelty of oh you gotta catch his last movie you know <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. yeah. I'm not sure though. The, there's, I saw a video essay that kind of broke this down, and I think um, it's a very interesting angle. That uh, I think he maybe he's thinking about his legacy. There are a lot of filmmakers who have continued to make movies even in their old age, mm-hmm. and it just is kind of sad because they they some of them lose their spark. And some of them uh, continue to make bangers like, you know, say like Martin Scorsese Mm -hmm. or someone like that. I don't, I mean, I know that he spends a lot of time to make, like, it's been what, three, four years since once upon a time in Hollywood. Like he takes a lot of time crafting his movies before he, he goes into Mm -hmm. production. So I think he really wants to preserve his legacy as a filmmaker. And I've also heard that he's not going to like, you know, right into the sunset and just not do anything for the rest of his life. I've heard he actually is going to do a TV show. He actually wants to write. He wants to keep writing screenplays. He wants to do, uh, he wants to do theater. He wants to write books. So he's got a lot that he still is going to do. Um, in the back of my mind, though, I I think like I give him to, like ten years. He'll he'll yeah. he'll, be, he'll come back with like oh I got a I got a great story. I, I got to tell this and like I'm coming out of retirement. I'm gonna make another movie and it's gonna be the biggest thing in the world. That would be really huge. Kill Bill three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but as far as the subject matter, I me, mean, I don't really know much about um, Pauline Kale, um, but. I don't either, but I know he's he's super into his like Hollywood history. Like he loves everything Hollywood, and to be mm-hmm. honest, I don't really know much of anything about Hollywood history. So, um, 
which I think it would be interesting to see like a super niche like story that he's obviously inspired by and invested yeah. in. Um, but yeah, I've I've not heard of any of that, but that would be cool to see though mm-hmm. if that's the the story he's going. Yeah, with. yeah, I I I think the the um very niche and uh, um unique take on Hollywood and Once Upon a Time um appeals to a lot of people. Um, Mm Because, you know, when Hollywood does a movie that is kind of like a self-grandizing, Hollywood's so great, it's wonderful, Um, it kind of comes off as disingenuine. Like, I don't, I Mm -hmm. I didn't see Babylon because it just looked like a grotesque um, depiction of all the worst parts of Hollywood. It's just like, this looks like it's gaining traction for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Whereas Tarantino, when he does Hollywood, it feels like a very intimate almost a childlike fascination with with cinema with the experience of going to the movies with the experience of living in hollywood and pursuing a career yeah and and the struggles and the hardships and and um i i i i, I love the movie because i think it 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 encapsulates like you know every every struggling filmmaker or artist in hollywood or someone trying to make it in this industry not just hollywood you know they they need they need someone that has their back and for for DiCaprio's character, that was Brad Pitt. Um, I'm sure you have a friend like that in your life. I know I definitely have a friend like that in my life where like, you know, we, we, we come to each other for, for um, constant moral support because uh, you know, it's, it's a a tough business and, and it takes a lot of hard work and struggle to, you know, get your foot in the door. But, um, and then, you know, the industry goes through so many different changes. Um, so if, if it's something along those lines, I think we're in for a treat. Yeah, I'd be really interested to see what he's got in store. Mm-hmm. And if this is actually his last hurrah or if if not. Yeah, <laughs> we shall see. I'm not convinced, but yeah. we shall see. <laughs> um, so let's, go, let's do a quick ad break and we will go right into um, our discussion and my reaction to... Scream 6. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. So, um, as I said at the beginning of the show, Miley has seen Scream 6. I have not. I am a little bitter about them not having... Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott in the film, um, despite this is like the only horror franchise next to maybe Evil Dead that I really, really like. And um, I, I still I still might see this movie. I don't know. I'm, I'm still my wife and I are still kind of gauging whether we want to spend the money to go see it in theaters or we just wait till it comes out on Paramount Plus or wherever it goes. I don't remember. But um, Miley who, as we've established last week, is one of the biggest Scream fans I know, has seen the movie. Um, We did talk about it when she got out of the theater. Uh, I don't know if her opinion has changed since then, so I have no idea what she's going to tell me, but she is going to give me a breakdown, a full spoiler breakdown of the movie, so spoilers if you haven't seen Scream 6, and um, if this properly sets up an exciting future for the franchise or not. So... Miley, take it away. All right. And we're going full spoilers, right? Full I don't spoilers. Want... So so turn back if you've All not right. seen Scream okay. 6. 
Okay, so <laughs> I will say it's probably not one of the coolest openings. Um, we meet uh, this woman at a bar, and she's meeting up with someone on a date, and it's it's the whole like, oh, I'm running late, I'm so sorry, and then he calls her, which we all know how where this is going, um, <laughs> or at least we, we kind of think we do. But I think it's interesting the whole like, okay, yeah, you're meeting up for a date. It's it's an interesting way to, to introduce the whole the phone call and how that's evolved since Drew Barrymore's first phone call. Um, but she's basically let outside and into an alleyway. And the, the movie conversation comes up because she's a professor that teaches, um, I think it's like a film class or something at a college. And so they get into slashers. And then when the ghost face voice switches on, he's like, he says something like, I can't believe you're an expert in slashers and you still walk down the alleyway. And of course we're in New York. So it's like this New York alleyway. And then Ghostface comes out and he like stabs her and he stabs her and he stabs her. Right. And you're thinking, okay, yeah, that's our opening. But then he actually takes off the mask and we see who it is. I know. Right. Um, Whoa, and that's yeah, huge. Yeah. And it's, um, <laughs> it's actually, it's the actor who played flash from, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Um, Tom for so, Grace? No, 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 no. Tom Holland. Wait. Wait, sorry. Say that again? It's Flash from... Oh, Flash. Oh, it's, it's... I'm so uh, sorry. Yeah. Tony Ravioli. What, what? What's his name? <laughs> I forget his name, but I recognize... It's... Yes, okay. Yeah, I forget the actual wow. name. That was, that but, was like... Wrong, wrong Spider-Man franchise, wrong character. I thought you said you Eddie just Brock, so, so I was like, "Wait, Venom?" <laughs> no, that would have been that would have been wild. Uh, no, so he he that would have been crazy. Um, we see him like packed. Okay, the, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. So he packs his mask up and he's walking back, and we even see him. He goes to a college campus, and we even see him like interact with Tara Jenna Car or wow Jenna Ortega's character. For a second mm -hmm. and then he gets back to his dorm and he calls his buddy and he's like um basically talking about yeah i did the first practice kill blah 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 and you basically get the impression that him and his roommate are trying to make their movie and they have this whole shrine Ooh. of ghost face in their closet and he's describing how it felt to like kill this teacher and they're going after Sam and Tara next but then ghost the ghost face voice comes on when he's talking to his roommate and at first he thinks it's still his roommate he's like oh he said we wouldn't use the voice on each other and then spoiler alert <laughs> he leads him through this like oh you're getting warmer colder whatever and he opens the fridge and his roommate is like dead chopped up like in his fridge and then a ghost face ghost face comes out and kills him so we have this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we've had these guys who thought they were going to be the next ghost face killers. But then we have our, mm -hmm. our ghost face killer onto them. And I was like, nope, you're not, you're not doing this. I'm taking care of it. So that was like a very wild opening. Um, and I really enjoyed it because I was like, it, it's something that you expect from a, from a screen movie. And even though it's, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is predictable. You still need to have it. Because I feel like if we didn't have it or if people were like, oh, it's 
it's been done too many times. If it's not there, we'd be disappointed. And so I think the fact that they were able to do something new with it was really cool. Um, yeah. And I thought this was going to, I thought it was going to be a little bigger than it ended up being, which was a little bit of a letdown. But that's our opening. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of go into seeing where our characters were last time uh, we saw our survivors from five. So Mindy, Chad, and Tara are at the same school um, in New York. And Sam has also moved to New York to keep an eye on Tara. And basically she's being like super vigilant, basically kind of like a helicopter mom. Um, Tara's at this college party and she gets kind of drunk and this guy wants to like take her upstairs, but then Chad is like, no, I don't think so. And there a fight breaks out, but, and then Sam's all like, I told you not to go to that party. And then Tara's like, I don't need you to do like do this, whatever. And so they kind of get into a scuffle. Um, was that kind of the dynamic in five? Um, the dynamic in five was, you know, you left us, Sam, and I'm resentful for you. And now you've come back and you think you can just act like my sister basically. And she kind of carries, and she kind of carries that over. Like she even, I think says in the movie, um, you just come back into my life and you think that you can tell me what to do and tell me how to live my life. And so there's mm. this like sis- sister tension there. Okay. So, um, so yeah, in the, in the first, in the fifth movie, Sam wasn't there. And now in six, she's, she's too much, there. too much. She's too much there. Exactly. Okay. Okay, yes. cool. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, another, um, Another thing to note is that there's been this online smear campaign against Sam. Basically, the internet has conspired, has this conspiracy theory that Sam was actually the ones who did the murders in Woodsboro, the movie before. Mm. Um, so as she's interacting with these college kids, there's they'll like say mean things to her or make comments. And so it's basically like people think that she is the one behind it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and all these other kind of character things are going on, but they're not like super important to the plot. Um, and, but, um, something interesting that happens though, is this detective who's the father of Sam's roommate calls her to the station because I guess her ID was planted at the murders from the opening. So, um, she goes down to the station and is being questioned. Um, and then, did we freeze? We we froze for a second, but we're good. Okay. So we already have this thing of, oh, ghost face is close to Sam. Like, who's it, who's it going to be, you know? Um, and so then she tries to go clear her name. And then we get this whole thing, this really cool scene at her apartment where she's at this table with Mindy and Chad and Tara, and they're like trying to cheer her up. And her roommate is upstairs on the phone with her dad, actually, the detective. And we see Ghostface come into the room and Sam's neighbor across the street, who they kind of have like a thing going, Mm -hmm. he sees Ghostface in her room. And so... He tries to call Sam like he's in the house, something's going to happen. 
but because she Sam was having fun with her friends, she's like, oh, I'll just that's not I'll just call him later. And so she like rejects his call, which is like such a high tense moment. Mm. And then they hear something going on in the room and they're like, something's not right. And so then uh, roommate gets killed and then Ghostface comes down and then the whole kind of cat and mouse chase happens. Um, Mindy gets stabbed and she's she's still going she's hobbling along um but then mindy's girlfriend also gets and she she, her that character has like probably the most brutal or one of the most brutal because it's one of those like the knife in and then it twists and it's just really really bad but then yeah one of the best sequences of the movie is they so sam's lack of a better word boyfriend across the street Mm-hmm. He has a ladder that he like pulls through the window to get across, so they can like crawl across oh, the ladder okay. to safety. I remember seeing that scene in the trailers? Yeah, and it's so high stress because they're trying to like keep him keep Ghostface behind the door at bay, and then also try to get across. And two people are bleeding out, and then Mindy's girlfriend is the last to go, which is stupid because she's the one wounded the most. So you would want your most able-bodied person to like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she's like terrified in the middle, like frozen with fear. And then Ghostface like shakes the ladder, and she falls off, and her head hits a dumpster, and then she just falls and like dies. It's it was uh, it was pretty pretty brutal. Um. And then after that, they do the whole meetup of like, okay, who's who's the killer? Mindy kind of gives her spiel on the meta movie commentary of, oh, we're doing a requel sequel and all that. Hmm. Um, and I will say one of my biggest complaints with this movie is that even though we do, we are introduced to kind of new characters you can tell they're filler and disposable like they don't get any like so mindy's <clears throat> mindy's girlfriend was one of those characters she seemed cool but like she didn't get a lot of development um <clears throat> chad has a roommate who we only see chad trying to help him ask a girl out at a party but he doesn't really do anything um sam's roommate i think was the most interesting but still, like, you you just get the sense that, okay, these characters aren't going to stick around. Like, they're just here to be killed. And so that kind of sucks because you want to get invested and keep this game up of, like, who, like, anyone could die. But when you have characters like that so shallowly written, you're kind of like, okay, well, mm-hmm. I know they're going to die. So. Um, but so that happens, and then there's another incident at gas station which or not a gas station but like a convenience store Uh and i think yeah we've seen that in the trailer and essentially what the 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 detective is seeing is that the ghost face kills are leaving behind the actual ghost face masks from previous kills and so they're counting back so that yeah so they started with richie's mask and then amber's and then jills and you know so it's all kind of they're leaving like breadcrumbs basically mm-hmm. and <clears throat> every every scene feels like its own 
really cool like set piece it's they're all very tense they're all very interesting i was so nervous like i was very invested they're all very creative um and i just i had a lot of fun watching them and they felt more it wasn't just kind of a oh he's in a dark corner jump out stab mm -hmm. you it's like we had the the convenience store which was stressful but also a lot of fun um and then they also recreate kind of recreate and they reference it too like the they're in like a park um like from scream 2 and they try to get them on a call and try to trace the phone um and they realize even though they have him on the phone with sam they realize he's calling from a specific address far away, but they recognize it <clears throat> as Gail Weathers' address. And oh, yeah, enter um, Gail and, Weathers. Yeah, <laughs> um, and Gail had she had come up a little before, but I kind of I felt like her entrance was a little shoehorned in. It felt too repetitive. Of you're only here to write your book and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Someone had to write a book. And I'm like, okay, this feels a little, oh, I don't know. It, it felt, it felt kind of, you just, we had to get her in here, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but Nuts. she does get a phone call in her apartment. Um, so she gets to go one-on-one -on -one with Ghostface, which was really fun. Um, and he's in her apartment and she gets her gun out and she's trying to find him and they, they go back and forth and it's, it's really entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the last second, it's like, she has him down and she's about to get him. But at the last second, he gets like a shard of glass and like stabs her in the side. And I was just like, oh, no. Um, but she, she ends up being able to go to the hospital and she ends up being fine. But oh in the moment, in the moment, you're just like, Oh no. Don't do this to um, me again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um and so then they're still trying to figure out like okay, leaving these clues, what's going to happen? And then they bring um Kirby from the fourth movie onto the case because mm -hmm. she actually was in the FBI, I believe. And then she came to New York to help with these murders because she um, has experience. First, an experience with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and her character was fine. I, I kind of feel like she was, it was too much of a convenient, like, oh, we brought a fan favorite back. And I'm not sure they really knew what to do with her, if that makes sense. Like, she she kind of could have been replaced by any other detective character. Was Do you think it was to offset um, Sydney's absence in the film? Yeah. And Dewey's she, at that point? Yeah. Um, because she does work as a detective, so it's like she is um, looking at kind of their their board with the, the yarn and all that stuff and mm -hmm. trying to figure this out. But again, it's like they shoehorn in one scene where her and Mindy are talking about their movie trivia. And you can tell they're kind of just like, all right, this is what fans want from her. So we'll just give it to them. And yeah. Then that's it. And Nostalgia so. Nostalgia bait. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't know. 
I I do appreciate that they aged her up. Like they didn't just try to keep her as her teenage character. Like she did feel older and Hayden Panettiere was really present in the role, which was great. So she was fun to watch. It just mm-hmm. it just kind of makes you wonder like, all right, did they kind of just how well thought out was it or was it just, oh, we'll listen to the fans and then, you know. Right, right. Um and so trying to think where this goes and then okay uh was it no kirby figured it out so kirby finds this hidden shrine in this abandoned theater and it was like the ultimate ghost face shrine it's got all these artifacts from like every killing and like all the costumes and the masks are all gone because, you know, that's what they're leaving breadcrumbs for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got, like, all Gail Weathers' books and stuff. And and it is really cool. But then you're kind of like, how do they get all this? And I think a character even says, like, isn't this evidence? Like, what's this doing here? And then Kirby's like, oh, yeah, well, you can... Cops love money, so you can pay them off. And it's kind of just written off as, like, okay, so you get, like, pieces of evidence from every crime scene from Ghostface since the 90s whatever it's cool to look at okay yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and it's, it is fun fan service because you you kind of oh that's that that's that blah 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 so mm-hmm. but in terms of the story it's not super realistic that okay you, you manage to get every single piece right and mm-hmm. so they're like okay the ghost face we're dealing with <clears throat> is a big fan of like all the other killings obviously and so they're still on their quest to figure out who who he is and why he's doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Mm -hmm. then they have this idea to set a trap because, because it's like an older theater. There's it's, I forget how it works, but essentially it's like there's one way in. And if you, you can basically maneuver it to where, because you have to come in this old elevator that you can't get out once you're in, if a door is shut or I don't know, it's something like that. that They were able to like, we can trap him basically. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they set that up, but as they're setting it up, um, Tara and or they're plan- so they're planning to set that up. And so then they're like, okay, we're going to meet here at this time and, you know, we'll, we'll be there waiting for him basically. And so they take the subway, which is where we get our subway scene. Mm. And the scene was so cool because it really drew out that tension and they hit it with cuts in the in the trailers, but Mindy actually gets separated from the group, and she oh. has to go. She has to take the next bus with Chad's roommate, Ethan. I think his name is, and she, her whole thing is she's suspicious that he's Ghostface, but it's played off as like a joke. Like she's just like, I don't tr-. like. She straight up will tell him like, she'll like call him Ghostface. Like she basically just straight up says like. I don't trust you like you're probably the killer kind of thing mm-hmm. but it's played off as like a joke um and so she's in this car with him sorry i'll let the noise pass no it's okay so mindy's in this car with ethan but she's trying to keep her distance she like doesn't trust him <clears throat> and then both groups experience like oh yeah there's people in costumes for halloween and you see a lot of ghost faces and there's a really cool moment where um one it like it's like looking at sam 
and it like makes a beeline for her and she's about to like she's like tenses up she's ready but it's just this it's someone just trying to make his way off and like get off the train which mm -hmm. i take public transit i understand it's like they're only open for so long you got to move through people so you just gotta yeah. go so that was a cool moment um but then in mindy's car it's getting like the lights keep flickering and then she ends up because the corner she's in there's a bunch of people sleeping around her and so there's a ghost face that comes and stabs her and no one sees it because they're sleeping and so i was i was so mad i was like mindy is like my favorite character in mm. this current movie and she's like the best in my opinion of the the new ones and i was i was so upset um but again she ends up surviving so okay. there's that um, yeah but so she gets stabbed um and then ethan helps her off and then she was like he he notices like something's wrong because she was trying to keep her distance from him and so when he notices she stabbed she's like he's like oh shoot like we gotta get you help and he helps her off and then she's like oh, I guess you weren't Ghostface. I was wrong or whatever. So it's still kind of that joke. So the rest of the crew make it to the theater where they're trying to trying to catch him. And they're in there and Kirby has this thing of like, okay, I'm FBI, so I'm the only one who is allowed to have a gun. Like, I don't want you kids like getting trigger happy, basically. Um, and then we get a call from uh, the detective who is like, he calls Sam and he's like, Sam, you gotta get out of there. Kirby's the killer. She, <clears throat> she, um, <clears throat> um, she's not been with the FBI. Like they, she has a psychotic breakdown and like, whatever. And then Sam's like, what are you talking about? And then like, Kirby's nowhere to be found. And then we cut to Chad and Tara in the lobby area. <clears throat> and then not one, but two ghost faces show up. And they take their turn stabbing Chad, which is really sad. Um, Does he yeah, die? And, so then Tara, and then he ends up not dying. That's the thing. No oh, one God. notable dies, which mm, part of me is little, like, okay. But then I'm like, well. Yeah, a little sus. little sus indeed. Um, and so Tara, so it's, it's just Tara and Sam now. And so they go back into the theater and then um, I want to say the detective gets there, and then, um, then we see Kirby covered in blood, like, come back, and then they're like, we know your ghost face, and she's like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about, like, I just fought one of them off or something, and then we see both ghost faces come up behind the detective, and so it's like, but he's just standing there, so the reveal is that he's actually in on it oh my so there's goodness. three ghost faces yeah so there's three of them um i think kirby gets shot at or something to where she's like taken down but she's not dead but it, it's essentially like sam and tara the only remaining ones and so mm -hmm. detectives ghost face and then the other two are um ethan chad's roommate who mindy was right about which i was kind of like I don't care because he didn't get any development. So I don't feel a certain way. Attached. But then the second person is um, Sam's roommate who supposedly died earlier. Oh. And yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, and then also to know just for, for me to indulge myself, I kind of was suspicious of the detective a little bit because th there were just some lines said earlier about like them working with him and like, we want to, it wasn't just like, we want to catch Ghostface. I think Tara at one point said like, we're going to trap him and then we're going to execute him. And mm. I feel like a, a detective or a cop would have said like, well, no, like we got to take him in for questioning or blah, blah, blah. Like mm -hmm. he just seemed gung ho about the idea of like, just take him out. And I don't know, he, he got kind of aggressive sometimes with his, his language. And I was like, Mm. He feels a little violent, like kind of violent undertones. You know sus. what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of, I kind of pegged the detective, and I was like, and I was like, the ghost face reveals are always, we see it happen, and the fact that he said, "Oh, Kirby's the killer," I was like, this is not our reveal. This mm -hmm. is a fake out. Like I, yeah, you know, um, and so essentially, who these people are and their motive. The detective is actually Richie's dad, Richie from Five, one of the killers, and oh. Ethan and yeah, and then Ethan and Quinn, the the <clears throat> girl, they're his siblings, and so very much like Scream Two, this is a family revenge plot. Oh, okay. Ah, uh, yeah, hmm. and and so the Ghostface Shrine was actually Richie's and his dad was able to get him all that stuff and was like, he was just obsessed with these movies and I just had to indulge him basically. And so they basically used, and then this, this part I I'm still fuzzy on and it. It doesn't make sense. And it's a little frustrating, but I think mm -hmm. what happened was like the two fake out killers from the beginning. I think they, it was, I'm still trying to think how it connects, but somehow I guess that the detective and his kids found out that these two kids were trying to, like, bring the legacy to New York or whatever. But they were like, no, we, we got to go after them. So they cut them out. I kind of wish it was a bigger conspiracy theory than that, but mm -hmm. um, the killers <clears throat> from the opening don't really connect super much, which I kind of wish they did. But, um... So yeah, it's it's basically um, they were in charge of the smear campaign against Sam, and there was a whole line of like, it's not enough to kill someone; you got to assassinate their character. And I'm like, okay, that's hmm. our social commentary, I guess. Um, and so then they do the traditional kind of back and forth, and then sorry, and then we get. Your favorite part of five, which is Sam. Oh, it kind of happened a little bit earlier, but Sam basically gets, um, you know, a, a pep talk from her psycho killer dad. <laughs> oh, um, he, he comes back again. Yeah, it's not as prevalent in this one, but there is mm -hmm. kind of a moment of like, there's like a moment earlier in the movie where, because each cost, each ghost face costume is behind it is in its own glass panel and so she sees billy loomis's and then he's like mm -hmm. come on sam we gotta have some people up blah 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 blah. like you gotta Embrace protect your, your inner killer know, it, gosh yeah I hate that. It, again it's that it's that weird like he's trying to give her a pep talk but he's a killer and so it's like i don't know and 
then it gets a little more complicated too because there's a moment where Sam knocks out the detective. So Ethan and Quinn get taken out. And I'm kind of brushing by this, but like the back and forth and all the action, violence, whatever, chase stuff is really cool in the movie. I'm just kind of brushing past it because it's yeah, there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the detective is left and there's a moment where he gets knocked out and then when he comes to um, he gets the call and it's like the ghost face voice and it's Sam and she's basically taunting uh. him now. So it's like um, it's kind of like reminiscent of the first one where Sydney is able to get away mm-hmm. and then she calls Billy and Stu and like they don't know they don't know where she is and she tries to get them right yeah so um it's supposed to be a cool moment and I think in another timeline it would have been oddly satisfying but essentially she where she puts on Billy's like old ghost face get up and has even his original knife and that's the final like confrontation and kill which again could have been a cool like it could have been cool in a way of like taking it back and her kind of not owning it like accepting it but basically like okay i i can't hide from this but i'm still going to take out the bad guy if that makes sense but because it got mixed up with the whole he's given her a pep talk it still just felt kind of weird i was like this should be cool but i'm not mm-hmm. like buying it so yeah embrace your inner killer 2.0 yeah yeah i don't like that Um, Uh. yeah so that that was still and that was i think i texted you like there's still some problems from five that like carry over that was one of them okay um and so then detective dies and then we get the whole like oh ambulance has come uh chad's gonna be okay mindy comes running even though she got stabbed and she's like guys guys i figured it out it's ethan and quinn like i figured it out and they're like yeah we know already she's like dang it i was late to it again or something like that so Mm -hmm. um she has kind of her bit there and then we have a moment where sam i guess had kept billy's mask and she's like looking at it and you're kind of wondering what's gonna happen or whatever and then she ends up just like dropping it in the street so it's kind of this metaphor of like I'm not going to embrace my inner killer, which I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I think the whole thing is kind of, she was letting it go. That's just, oh, that's weird. But like, did we think she wasn't? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. It almost, I, it almost I sounds like they're teasing like, her to be the next ghost face or something. Like she goes psychotic. Yeah. I don't think she's a, I don't think she's a fleshed out character enough to pull that. Even off. after this one, but, really? I feel so bad because so many people on the internet are saying like, I didn't like her in five, but she redeemed herself in this one. And I, I don't, I wish, I wish I could be one of those people, Mm. but I still felt like, I still felt like she just felt like a Riverdale character there. Like she has a scene early on where she's trying to see a therapist and she, he's like, Oh, this is, there's clearly something you don't want to talk about, but you, the session to work, you have to talk about it. And so it's like, but then she kind of breezes through her, oh, yeah, my dad is Billy Loomis, and then this happened, and then my boyfriend tried to kill me last year, blah, blah, blah. And it was, like, the way she kind of breezed through it was, like, again, you don't feel like someone who's 
carried this with you. Mm-hmm. Like, if this is so traumatizing and this is so hard for you to talk about, like, it's just, I still just don't buy it. And I wish I did, because I feel like Sam, in theory, would be a really cool final girl. And she has a lot going for her. I think it's just tragic that the same franchise that gave us Sydney Prescott and Gail Weathers, and I'd even put, like, Kirby and even Jill. I think Jill was a great ghost face. Like, just all these really cool multi-layered women characters. characters. women, yeah. And, like, final girls, too. Like, Gail and Sydney. And then it's like you have Sam. Sam. Even, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like even Mindy is, I prefer her. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. that credit goes to Jasmine Savoy, the actress, because she just, she, I felt like she was more, she was in it a lot more this one, um, mm-hmm. the character was, than the last one. And she was just a lot, a lot of fun to watch and root for. So I, I kind of wish it was more centered on her, but mm-hmm. alas. So is there any, um, any allusion to Sydney or her presence? In, does she, it sounds like she doesn't play oh, into yeah. this at all. Or does she? Yeah. So when, I think it's Kurt. No, Gail. I think it's Gail. Someone asks. I think Sam asks, like, "Oh, does Sydney know?" Or and then she's like, basically, Sydney and her family. She's like, she took Mark and the girls, and they're they left town, and they're just kind of staying low, basically. Um, and so that's kind of the only mention. Which it's like, if you know, you know. I kind of looked at my husband and went like. Yeah, because they couldn't afford her, apparently. Uh. Um, I wouldn't pay her, I should say. But, um, yeah, it basically was just the idea of, like, she's not getting involved. She's actually going to just lay low. Which I I personally kind of think makes sense because if it's in Woodsboro, that feels a little more contained. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, a place she could go to and tackle her and past things once and for thought. all. Yeah, but with this one, it's like, oh, there's crazies in New York now? Like, where else could they be? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to get involved. cross, like, state, city borders trying to figure this out. Like, they're kind of, they could be anywhere at this point. So Yeah. At, uh, if I may say real quick, just, yeah. I, I don't understand. Like, Sydney has a family. She has children now. She has a life. And I mean, I guess they kind of did that in Scream 4, but like, she, it's, this is also, that's also Scream 5. When we see her, she's like years removed from the trauma and she's like properly been able to, to deal with it and, and move on from it. And like her, her, just the dynamic of like, oh, Sydney is happy and she has a family. That's interesting. I'd much rather see that movie, that that story, than, I mean, I, I I do like some of these new characters and this new angle and stuff, but I, I don't like Sid. It really, to me, like Sydney is is Scream. Without her, if they had done a better job of introducing, um, you know, Sam Carpenter, um, you know, maybe. I'd be saying a different thing. Or if, if Tara Carpenter was the league as Jen, Jenna Ortega is just, you know, objectively speaking, a much better actress, but it's just, ugh, I, I don't know. I, I, I have, I still have issues with Sydney not being involved. 
I thought it was really fun overall. Um, it had a lot of excitement. And even though there were still some weaknesses, um, I feel like this is still entertaining. So plot holes and character issues are kind of present, but this is a fun one. And so I think this moves up my list um, in my screen ranking just because of how invested I was and how tense the scenes were and how they really, really utilized their location. It wasn't just jump out stab. It was, it was like each set piece felt really unique. Um, and so because of that, I think it was a lot of fun. Um, not perfect by any means, but uh, I think an improvement um, from the fifth one for sure. Hey guys. So um Unfortunately, while we were recording this interview, uh, me and Miley, uh, the internet cut out at the last half, so I wasn't able to get all of Miley's final thoughts on the film and wrap up the conversation and give her a chance to plug herself like I normally preferred to do. Uh, so I had to cut, I had to edit things a little awkwardly at the end there uh, and cut the interview a little short, unfortunately. But we were able to get everything uh, as far as uh, Miley's. Uh, breakdown of Scream 6 and my reaction. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was definitely a lot of fun for me. Uh, my thoughts are still the same uh, generally on Scream 6. Uh, my wife and I are still debating whether we're going to go see it or not. Um, we may just wait for streaming because I still do want to see this film as a Scream fan. But as far as whether I want to pay to go see it in the theater, honestly, I, I don't think I am. So uh, there's just also too much coming out this year that I am uh, looking forward to seeing anyways. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I, I apologize for the uh, uh, technical difficulties. Um, and uh, again, Miley, thank you so much for being on the show. You're a fantastic guest as always, and you're welcome back anytime to talk about Scream, the culture, whatever. As as long as it's Miley, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to take a brief hiatus from the podcast. My wife and I are going on vacation and, uh, we will be back soon to continue, uh, our dive into culture, entertainment industry, movie news. I have a uh, more special guest that I'm going to be lining up soon, which I hope you guys will get excited over. Let me know it down in the comments below. If you like the new video format, if you want to see any changes or whatever. I mean, I'm probably not going to listen to you if you say you don't like it because this, this is the future of the podcast. Uh, but thank you guys for watching and listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, subscribe to this YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, give this video a like on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. You know where to find me. And we'll see you guys next time. God bless and peace out.